0: Well, is everyone ready to begin? Mm -hmm. Awesome. And I want this to be interactive. So if there's anything that you're like, hey, what does that mean? Or, hey, what did that look like for you? Um, Feel free to jump in and just ask me. I'm just here to share my, I guess, nine years of experience with you. um, And I want you to get the most out of this. So if there's like something that you're like, I really wanna ask him about this, please ask me. I've got a few points today, but we could talk for the rest of our lives. So so please ask some questions, interact, and um, yeah, we will get started. Okay, so to give you a brief background, I am, and some of you might know this already, (laughs) I am from New Jersey came up here um, for college to study music therapy. And um, actually on this very stage was one of the several steps that my now husband took me on for our engagement. So met, fell in love at NAS, it's like the sweetest love story. And then this was one of the places that he took me because when we... Um, the very first time I saw Greg, is his name, um, I came to an accepted students' day and one of the um, music classes at the time was a jazz combo rehearsal and it was held on this very stage (laughs) and I remember sitting over there thinking, oh my gosh, that drummer is so cute. (laughs) (laughs) And I was too, you know, I'm like a high school student, I was too nervous to like, say anything, to meet him, to, you know, introduce myself. But then when I started school here, I met him. We had a wonderful friendship, and we are still best friends today. So that's a little bit of my story having to do with this stage. It's so funny to be back. But, um, yeah, let's see. Um, So probably like many of you, I did way too much when I was at Nazareth. I was an RA, I was a campus ambassador, I led a club, I was in, you know, how many ensembles? Flute, ensemble, band, orchestra, I did jazz for a semester, I did chorus for a semester. It was just so, so much. So I say that so that you know where I'm coming from, if it's similar to your story. Um, And now looking back, I'm like, oh, I wish I had more fun with my friends. I wish I didn't work so hard. And that's usually what I tell students, like, don't work too hard. (laughs) Like, work hard, but not too hard. (laughs) Have fun with your friends. So after my time at NAS, um, my internship for music therapy was in New York City. So from New Jersey, I lived with my parents. And then I commuted over the George Washington Bridge every day um, to the Bronx, working in hospice care. Um, the place was MJHS, Metropolitan Jewish Health System. Um, and I picked that, that um, internship because it was like nothing I had done before. Um, I had very little experience with older adults. I had absolutely no experience in hospice, and so that's why I picked that one. Um, and we're not really talking about internships um, tonight, but... Later on, if you have questions about internships or applying or whatever, we can talk about that after my whole spiel. So um, after internship, I got my first job. So so it was an employee position with a music therapy business that sent me out to all these different contracts. Um, It was very, very exhausting. I worked with like every age, back-to-back sessions. I drove out really far. Um, And then after that time, I moved out to Minneapolis, Minnesota with my husband and um, had a subcontracting job. So I was my, I was a business owner at this point and we can get into that if we need to. Um, And I was, again, driving all around the state to all these different contracts and facilities and schools and families' homes and everything like that. And... um, Those two jobs that were very much based on contracts um, led me to burn out very, very quickly. Um, I think with this field, music therapy, it is so, so easy to burn out because, I mean, you know, you're studying it right now. There's so much involved. Your session plan, you see the client, you have to document, you have to contact people, you have to learn the music, you have to carry all your instruments everywhere there's like there's so much and it's like it feels like it's never ending um so I definitely felt burnout um in those two jobs um and even now I'm thinking you know I wonder if music therapy is really meant to be a full-time job like can we physically handle that um and that might be a little too much for you to think about right now so (laughs) you're like yeah don't go there I'm going to go there, but it's okay. <laughs> Basically, the stuff that I want to talk about tonight is to um, prepare you for the real world. Um, I find that so many music therapists, myself included, um, start out in the profession not realizing how hard it's really going to be and like what the jobs are like and how physically taxing it is. And so I want to give you insight into my story and my experience so that when you become a professional, you kind of know what to expect. Or if you're starting to burn out, you're like, oh, yeah, Kim told me about that. Um, So I don't want anything to be a surprise to you when you become a professional. So let's see. After that subcontracting job, um, I had another contract set up with a hospice agency Um, Again, as a business owner, however, I didn't know that I was a business owner. So I had to pay a lot of money back in taxes. Um, And a lot of this is probably like new to you guys. So don't worry if you don't understand it. And then after that, moved back to Rochester, had a little issue with a music therapist and had to leave a job that I got um, because we were kind of thinking about things differently. And then at that time, I was pretty burnt out for music therapy. And I'm like... I need a break. I, I, my head is not in the right place. I, I feel this resentment against the field. I just need a break. So at that point, I <laughs> took a break by starting a calligraphy business um, because I love art and crafts and I'm an entrepreneur, so it just happened to turn into a business. Um, and then I missed people so much, so I made my way back into music therapy. Um, I worked with, um, in a skilled nursing facility with older adults with dementia and Alzheimer's. And, um, and then during my time there, it morphed into part-time music therapy work and part-time other work. So I did, I worked at a boutique. I did some modeling with the boutique. Um, and I also built my business. So when we're thinking about building a business... Um, let's say if there are no music therapy jobs around and you're feeling up for it, it can take a very long time. So I don't want you to think like, how can I possibly do this? It takes time. It really does take a long time. Um, So all the things that I'm going to be sharing with you today took me, you know, nine years to gather. Um, It took me all of this time and experience and heartache and, and joy Um, to get to this place where I am. So any like um, branding things that I show you, any um, ideas that I share with you, I want you to know it took me all of this time. So when you start out in the profession, um, don't feel like you have to do everything right away and don't expect yourself to be further along than where you are. Um, So let's see. We will start with networking. So you might see this little thing on the board. This is our agenda for the night. <laughs> um, so we are starting with compassion um, and we're going to talk about networking. So, and, and I, another thing to add, after I talk and we talk and we think about things, I want you to take one thing that you learn from tonight, whether it's a word or a feeling or a thought, and we're gonna turn that into art. So that's what I have up here. We are going to be painting with tea, one of my favorite things to do. Um, And this right here, this is, um, the words are in a permit marker, and then the background is in tea, so you get an idea of what it looks like. But um, you don't have to do exactly like this, this is just an example. So as I talk, if there's a word that sticks out to you, hold that in your mind, and then you can do some art with it. All right, so compassion. Networking is one of these things that um, it, it is hand-in-hand hand with advocacy. So you're learning your elevator pitches and your one-minute what-is-music-therapy answer. And... Um, That is really, really great. But if we don't meet the people that we're talking with, where they are in the present moment, how is it gonna be effective? Um, And this is something that I've gathered along the way because I've seen so many music therapists, like this is music therapy and that's not music therapy and it feels like this, um, it feels like this defense it feels like we are trying to protect our profession and stand up for our profession, advocate for our profession so much that it comes off as harsh. And I just don't think that's who we are as music therapists. And um, I think there's a different way to do it. So my way is compassion. So I'll tell you a little story about um, a hospital, talking with, with someone at the hospital So I talked to the doctor. He led me to Child Life Specialist. They led me to the volunteer coordinator. And I'm like, I'm not a volunteer. You know, like, that's the first thing going in my head. Like, music therapy is not volunteer-based. I need to get paid. Why are you sending me to the volunteer coordinator? So anyway, I'm talking with the volunteer coordinator. It turns out he is also the special programming coordinator. I'm like, Okay. There might be something there. So we're talking, we're talking. And so I just ask him, um, do, you, do you have music therapy in the hospital? And he's like, oh, well, you guys are going to laugh. Oh, there's a, there's a piano in the lobby. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, boy. <laughs> there is, isn't there? You know, like, <laughs> but I'm like, you know, what he is, what he is noticing is um, there's music here. Music is a piano. Piano music can be very therapeutic for people. Okay, so he's making some connections. So the way that I approached that moment was, wow, that is so nice. I'm so glad you have a piano in the lobby. That must be really, really nice for people walking in. Kind of like meeting him where he is. He's recognizing that this is a good thing. And I want to show him that I, I'm, I'm supporting him. So part of our networking and advocating and this compassion is validating what people say. So we might be rolling our eyes in our heads, but try your very best not to roll your eyes in the flesh. <laughs> because it's going to turn people off. And we don't want to do that. We want to really share with people what music therapy is. Um, so I was able to... Uh, very gently say, you know, that is really beautiful. And I'm so happy for the patients of the hospital coming through the lobby. Let me tell you about what I do. And then I shared stories. I shared my client experiences. And then after that, he was like, oh my goodness. I had no idea. I'm so glad you educated me. And this is amazing. And we're going to work as long as it takes to get music therapy in this hospital. So, and now... I'm contracting there, but um, it's just one of those things that, you know, we get annoyed, but other people just have no clue. So it's seeing them for what they know and don't know. You know, I understand that you have no clue. Why would you have a clue? We didn't have a clue before we got to school, you know? So it's like, yes, we are annoyed at answering a question like 10 times a day, but um, that might be the very first time someone's ever thought of music therapy. Um, so I'll talk a little bit more about other ways of networking. Um, so informally talking with our friends, our family, um, random people that you work with. And the best way, I think, to do this is by sharing stories. So um, so let me go back to my hospital example. Um, this was just such a quick interaction. I had just worked with a patient and he had been um, nearly unconscious um, several times that I had seen him before. And this week he was tapping along with the song and I'm like, oh my gosh, you're moving your hand. He was smiling. Oh my goodness, you're smiling. He was making eye contact and he was um, mouthing the words of the song. I was like, I could not believe it. And so then I'm walking out And I see, I I can't remember if she was a doctor or nurse, but this one part of his medical team. And I'm like, hey, I just want to let you know, this is what I saw in my session. And it was like 30 seconds and I was off. So there are so many small ways that you can talk with the people that you work with um, or anyone that you interact with, even if it's like the secretary in the building you work at or the bus driver for the kiddos that you work with and you happen to be a chaperone or something. Um, There are so many small ways that we can just say, oh, this is music therapy. Oh, this is what it looks like. I find that it's so much more valuable to show someone music therapy than to try and explain it or try to define it. We can all memorize and spout off the AMTA definition, but... It seems like people don't really get it until they experience it, until they see those like magical musical moments. So um, yeah, so that's my example of like informal networking um, and advocating. And then formal, formally, you can set up presentations with different agencies, with um, different organizations. You can set up a table. Um, as a vendor. So I actually created this um, tablecloth because I was a vendor at an Alzheimer's Association conference. So they have the speakers and they have the whole thing and then they have this whole back area of vendors and I was one of the vendors. And that way, like, so many people came through and got to meet me and got to hear about music therapy. And the highlight of that program was the one... um, uh, I guess she was a geriatrician or a geriatric doctor. She was doing her presentation on stage and part of it was talking about music therapy. And she shouted me out. I'm like, yeah, music therapy. <laughs> Come stop by my boob. <laughs> um, so yeah, those are some formal ways, um, that you can network with people. And then other things that you can do if you're looking for work, if you're looking to connect with people, um, or you're trying to get your name or music therapy out there is uh, connect with people on Instagram who work with the people that you want to work with or organizations on Facebook that are for the caregivers of so-and-so. So So like um, mothers of autistic children, you know, there might be a Facebook group for them Um, or caregivers for... People of Cancer, there's probably a Facebook group for that and maybe one local to Rochester. Um, So those are some other ways to network. Let me see what else. Oh, you can also do other things like hang up a flyer somewhere. A lot of coffee shops or restaurants have like a board where you can hang stuff up. Um, You could also very often, especially on Instagram, people will reach out to me to write a piece for, like, a magazine or something. So that's another way. People all, all the time are looking for, like, things to promote or, like, new ideas to share. So music therapy is, like, the best thing to write about. You can even call into a radio station. Um, so one of the music therapists who went here before my time, um, you might know him, Sam Snyder, at the Ju- uh, no, at the Friendly Home. Um, he was on... A a radio station, I think it was like NPR. It was one of the NPR like podcasts or radio shows. And he like sang a little ditty for them for whatever they're talking about. And it was all about music therapy. Like what a cool way to share what we do on like a very public platform. Yeah, out of all of those things, um, are there any other ideas that you have for advocating or networking with folks because you know, there's more, there's so many brains here to think about these different ways. Anything else that you've thought of or you've seen or? Yeah. Um, so I'm a grad student. I'm a music therapist, I went to uh, this program. But when I was like a junior or senior, I reached out to my uh, high school teacher. So I would talk to her class every year and just describe what music therapy is from a student perspective. So at that point, we have enough experience and knowledge for, like, what we do. And talking to, like, young high schoolers, it gets them to, like, know, like, what music therapy is. And even that's another option for a career that a lot of people don't know about. That's, yeah. like, other pieces of it, but it's such. I did. And mm-hmm. the teacher appreciates it. Yeah, it's just... such a good one. <laughs> What? I can say that you're Oh, yeah, um, yeah, I'm actually from the same high school. And oh, that's awesome. Yeah, a few years ago, yeah, yeah. so it works. That is so great. <laughs> and I would say keep your friends here from Nazareth that are in different fields, especially different music fields, because I had that same opportunity to talk with a, I think it was a music class. I can't remember. No, it was a middle school class but it was from, um, it was a music major that I was in school with, a music educator, um, who asked me to talk with her class about music therapy. Okay, so I'm gonna end our networking compassion um, section by saying, be compassionate towards yourself. It is not your job to uphold the entire music therapy profession and you don't always have to speak on behalf of music therapy. I feel like in this field that's so often misunderstood and um, it's like, it's so powerful and so beautiful, but it's like a lot of people don't see that until they you know, really get to see a session. Um, that means that advocacy is part of our every day, every day. Every day. So it's really important that we don't burn out by advocating too. Sometimes, if you don't have the energy, it's okay to just say, oh, go to musictherapy.org. You'll find all the answers there. Or you can say, oh, hey, talk with my colleague so-and-so. Or, hey, give me your email address, and I'll write you a little something. So don't feel like you always have to be on... And give everything all the time. There are more of us to carry that burden. Um, So, yes, you want to save your energy for your clients. All right, so our next area is uh, branding, which I have authenticity down here because that's kind of like what I stand for. Um, And I put that down there because... I find that a lot of people um especially online spaces like Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, whatever um will be inauthentic. And it, you can almost like feel it in a sense. You're like, are you is that really is that really you? Are you really that excited or like do you really feel that way or I don't know, you can you can sometimes feel when something's off with someone's brand and someone's um, public portrayal of themselves. And my whole thing is, we ought to be honest with ourselves and with others because that's who we are. Like we don't have to give our whole selves over to people, but you know, let's not let's not lie and let's not try to be someone who we aren't because it's just too much work. It's too much work. So be yourself. I wrote down this note to say that if you have a music therapy business, I find that my brand is so much more about me than it is about music therapy. And I had this one interaction with, I think, an assisted living facility. They wanted to try out music therapy. I did like a session or two. And then... Um, I'm like, hey, if I don't have time in my schedule, I'll find you a music therapist. And they're like, but is it going to be you? Like, we want it to be you. And, and it got me thinking like, oh, they don't really care as much about music therapy as a clinical practice, you know, that it just works. They care about the person doing it, the person behind music therapy. So um, that is what I have found to be the best way to go with my brand. And so you are all experiencing my brand tonight. This cozy atmosphere about all my blankets, um, all the fun, sweet treats, the tea, the crafts that we're gonna do. So when we think about brands, we want them to be identifiable and we wanna feel something with them. So the rule of thumb is to pick like five to seven things that, are, that make up you or your business. Um, and let's say Instagram is really my thing. So let's say on Instagram, your post, you, you would want to see that within your grid, like if anyone just opens your grid and sees like the nine squares, you have at least one or two of those things represented at all times. So if you go to my Instagram, you'll see T, You'll see music therapy, like a guitar or a flute or something. You'll see nature and flowers. Um, you'll see just like this cozy feeling. And I did that on purpose because that's what I want people to feel when they come and work with me. Or like a lot of you I'm connected with on Instagram. It's like what I want you to feel when you meet me, that it feels, it feels like me. And let's see. To get more specific on how to do this, and we can how a whole night just on branding. Um, I did this Instagram retreat last year and it was like my best life. But we went through like all these details and like cool things that you can do to kind of learn how to create this aesthetic. So one of the things was just go on Instagram or Pinterest or whatever and look at the pictures that stand out to you. What do they look like? What do they feel like? What, what's in the picture itself? What colors are there? Is it dark? Is it moody? Is it bright? Is it light? And then what you can do is emulate those styles. It's kind of self-explanatory, but like there were some pictures that I found on some Instagram uh, pages, and then I just replicated it. So you'll see, I, I mean, I don't know if you'll see, but some of my pictures are exactly like, what someone else did, but I took the picture, so it's not like I'm stealing a photo from them. Oh, and then as far as fonts, um, a rule of thumb in the design world is to use like one to two fonts. So I know it's tempting to use like all the different shapes and fonts and type and everything. Stick with one or two, that way your brand can be identifiable. Have any of you heard of Canva? Okay perfect. So I don't need to tell you about Canva. I make like 90% of my stuff on Canva. (laughs) Um, So that is a great resource for you. The free version and then the paid version, you can have like a branding, like colors and fonts picked out and stuff. So um, that's a great resource. And the last thing about branding that I want to say is to focus on quality over quantity. This is kind of going back to authenticity. Things take time, and we want things to happen so much quicker than they do. But I, I think someone's experience with you and your music therapy and your brand is going to be richer if you've taken the time to put your energy, put your life into it. So, you know, there are some brands out there that are just like, pushing out everything, everything all the, all the time, like every single day, every single platform. And unless you have a team around you to do that, it's just like not sustainable. There's no way that one person can do everything all themselves. So my, my um, way of doing things is quality over quantity. All right, so we're moving on to love. Job opportunities. Okay, and these are the, the points that um, the folks in this club wanted me to talk about, but there are, like, so many things that we can chat about. So, again, at the end, you can ask me any questions. I have a um, podcast episode up that you can listen to that goes through the different types of jobs that you can get. And, like, hey, if there's not a job in this area, what do I do? Um, so, real quickly, there are employee positions where you work for an organization or company and they take out taxes for you so you don't have to worry about that stuff. And then there is contracting or subcontracting where you have a contract set up with the agency or with the music therapist if you're subcontracting. You are considered a business owner if you go that route. With that, you need to keep track of your expenses, your income, your mileage, um, like all those detailed things so that you can submit that stuff for tax time and then even out your expenses with your income. There's a lot of details that I can get into, but that's essentially like the big difference. You are either a business owner or you are an employee for a company. A lot of people interchange some of those words like contracting and part-time and whatever. But it's really important to be clear on what you're going into because you don't wanna make the mistake that I did where I didn't realize I was a business owner, I did not think about taxes and then I had to pay so much money back to the government because I just like, didn't know. And if you get to that point and you're like, I don't know what this is, <laughs> give me a call. So so if there are no jobs in your area or in the area that you want to work, you can always move. You can get a job in a related field, get just a random job while you try to look for other music therapy jobs, or you can start your own business. Um, So there's more info on the podcast about starting your own business. And, you know, as we talk about job opportunities it's really frustrating because I wish I could say, after all of you graduate, if you wanna stay in Rochester, there are jobs for you. But the reality is that there's like 20 people here tonight. There are not 20 job postings in Rochester. There's maybe one, maybe two, <laughs> if we're lucky. And the other part of it is that there aren't a lot of people out there creating the jobs. You know, everyone is just working and trying to live. And there's not a lot of music therapists who have that extra bandwidth to make new connections and do all the advocacy, like I was telling you about, the networking. We, uh, music therapy is a hard job. And so there's not a lot of space to talk with this place, see if they have a music therapist, talk with that place, try to propose something. So, yeah, so your options are to move, get a music therapy job somewhere else, get a job in a related field, and maybe you can even do some music, There are several music therapists who went into recreation therapy at the administrative level. It's actually great because they're making more now. And they get to do different things besides just music, Um, and they've really enjoyed that. You can go back to school in a different field if you're, like, interested in something else. A lot of music therapists go back for, like, social work. I have a friend who went back to school for um, speech therapy, counseling, psych, administration, business. There's really a lot that you can do. Another point to make, and I kind of said this near the beginning, is you might have an internship and then go directly into a full-time job. And that is really cool. However, you might have this full-time job and be working in this full-time job for years and then get burnt out and then be like, I don't think I can do this anymore just know that that's okay. And maybe you don't need to do music therapy full-time. That's okay too. Maybe you can have a part-time music therapy job and supplement it with part-time work in something else that you love. Like So right now, I don't have a full caseload and my, I have like a little part-time job that's working with a local artist and I am packing up her Etsy orders and I'm organizing her uh, art space And I love it. I love it. It's so much fun. I just like organize. I don't have to think about music therapy. (laughs) But sometimes I like put on music that I'm learning for my clients. So there's no shame in finding other things to do with um, your career besides music therapy or in addition to music therapy. I feel like so many music therapists leave school and they're like, I have to do this. I have to work my butt off until I get that full-time job. And that might just not be practical. And don't worry, there's no shame in it. Do whatever you love. Moving on to change. You know, I put this right after talking about love, loving our jobs and finding things that we enjoy that are fulfilling to us because that might change over time. Our circumstances might change. Our health might change. Where we live might change. Our relationships might change. Our financial situation can fluctuate, you know, so quickly. And as we age, too, our bodies are changing. You know, like, in my mid-20s, I found my first gray hair. And then a couple years later, I found a chin hair. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. What is this? Like, I'm an old lady. Um, so I, I want to um, bring this up so that we, are, we get comfortable with change. It's one of those things that it's an unknown. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know if we're going to be in a steady, sustainable music therapy job for the rest of our life. Um, so we have to roll with whatever is brought our way and um, figure out the best way to live life that feels fulfilling to us. Um, and you'll see on the side of the uh, flow chart <laughs> what I hope for everyone's life. We live a fulfilling life. We grow and change, make mistakes, and love life. I do have some words of advice from Instagram uh, from some more music therapists and music therapy students. So I will read those to you so that you get every bit of wisdom. So the first one is, Things take time and bring with them disappointments. Roll with the uncertainty and do what's necessary to survive. It's okay um, if you have to live with family or friends for a season. It's okay if you have to move to a cheaper apartment. (laughs) Continue to play music for yourself and uh, take care of your voice. It's the only one you've got. Your voice is powerful. Um, And it is so important to reflect on every experience that you have. It helps you grow. Take care of yourself and remember that our job is supposed to be fun. Keep log of pieces you love. Have fun categorizing these. Build a repertoire of these pieces that you can play. Embrace the whole experience. So this is for school. Go to school concerts. Make music with friends. Write songs. Have a blast. And my husband said, be effing sick at it. <laughs> because he, of course, had to reply to my story. Um, I have some other info on, like, Resumes, building your own business, tips for undergrad burnout, um, self-care as a busy music therapist, but I kind of want to open it up now to see if you have any questions for me um, before we get into our art-making point of the night. So what are you dealing with? What are you thinking of? What's going on um, in your very busy music therapy student life? Or music. There's a lot of music majors here, not just music therapy. Yeah. When you're, like, looking for a job, is there a way that you can anticipate that you're going to get burnt out there or, like, a way that you can avoid that when you're looking for a job? Yeah. Make an appropriate schedule for yourself? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think that all has to do with our self-awareness and um, our experiences. So as you're in your clinic placements right now, you'll probably see or feel like what what placements feel better than others. So keep note of that because that might tell you something. That might tell you like that's a really good place to work or really good um, clientele to work with. Or maybe that feels right for me to use that instrument mainly within that session or you know that kind of work so I think it really depends on what you personally feel like you need and um what is expected of you so I have found that with my own business I'm my own boss so I can tell my you know I can give my own deadlines for documentation so I don't have to like rush to finish it right away um I can be the one to say, you know, use piano this day or guitar this day, so it doesn't feel like I'm pushing myself to do something that is like way over my head. Um, And, you know, when you're looking for jobs, I would look for, is there supervision and support built into the job? Because that's really important for us. Um, And it's hard to pay for supervision out of pocket. And then how many clients are you expected to see within one day or one week? Um, Because some places, you know, people have a caseload of like 50 clients. Like, how can you see that many in a month or a couple weeks or one week, you know? So all of those expectations from the job you'll want to inquire about and then see what feels right for you. Maybe you love working with kiddos, but to give the energy that you want to give, you can only do five hours a week. So then maybe you look for a job that works with um, children and adults. Or maybe you look for a job that's just part-time so that you can do this other part-time thing that you really love. So, yeah. I think that's why it's so important as students to like, reflect on your experiences that you're having right now so you know what to expect and, and what feels right. So hopefully that answered your question. Yeah, definitely. Any other questions? Anything you want to know about me? <laughs> yeah. I think for a lot of us who are underclassmen, we find it very difficult to like accept the classes that we're required to take without feeling burnt out. Like why are we taking Western history? Why are we taking these like supplemental courses <laughs> that are <laughs> And, like, a lot of us in our class addressed last semester that, like, we're starting to lose our love of music a little bit, mm. and it's feeling, like, a requirement more than, like, something that we feel passionate about and that we want to do. Yeah. So I, get, so I guess maybe just, like, advice on how to get through that period, because I know that a yeah. lot of us, at least in my class, feel very stuck. Yeah. And, like, we, like we're like we very uncertain about where we are right now. Mm. It's hard when you're like, oh, shoot, I did pick a liberal arts school. (laughs) (laughs) It's like I did this to myself. Um, At the same time, I will say that those classes, those experiences, even people that I met in those classes, like for group projects, um, those can all make a difference in your professional life. So those could be contacts that might end up working at a nursing home and then you can like set up a job because you knew them from Nazareth. Like it's so wild, the connections that you can make that will last a lifetime and you had no idea. And then another thing about um, these, you know, liberal arts classes is that you will be working with clients who have very um, vast backgrounds and histories. So having like a course like music history or having a course like, um, math, you know, like anything like that could give you like a tiny bit of knowledge that will make a connection and build a rapport with, um, a client. And it's, it's like, is really cool when you're able to do that you're like oh you know let me tell you about this class I took and then you're establishing rapport you're building this relationship and then music therapy so much easier to do um so that's a little bit about that I don't know if that will help you feel better about it <laughs> um and then as far as music it's so tough it is so tough and um You know, this is a really hard time of life for all of you. Like, you're so busy. You don't get enough sleep. You don't have time to see your friends. Um, You might not have time to eat lunch because you're running to your next class. Um, So whatever you can do to care for yourself among all of that is so important. And I wrote down here, um, know your priorities and keep your boundaries. So if music, if you love music, and that is a priority in your life, make time for it. You know, like before you head back to your residence hall, like stop by and play piano and sing a little song. You know, like small, small things. Or like on your walk to class, put in your earbuds and listen to like a favorite track of yours. Um, because it's those small things that will really make the difference in the long run. Um, and then I also wrote down, this is, about um, self-care um, and tips on undergrad burnout. So I feel like there's this pressure as music therapy majors and music students and professional musicians to like, be perfect and do it all and do it all very excellently. But you don't have to be perfect. We are all human and it doesn't always have to sound good or look good or get the best grade. And in my experience, none of my employers um, asked me for my GPA and I didn't put it on my resume. So I remember like, I finally got to this point, I think my junior and senior year at NAS, where I was like, (laughs) anatomy, which I know you, a lot of you have a test tomorrow. (laughs) You have a test tomorrow. I'm like, I think it's okay if I get a C in this class, like, (laughs) thank you, Sarah. (laughs) You know, and that's where, that's where we are thinking about our priorities. You know, if you want to be a music therapist, focus on your music therapy classes and your clinic placements, because that that is where you're going to get the most information and experience for the real world um, again, like psych research and statistics methods or whatever it's called. Oh my gosh. I probably got like a D. It was so bad. I hate that class. Um, so yeah. So like, it's okay to take the bar down and accept your humanity that you can't do it all. None of us can do it all. Um, And, you know, I even question if someone is, and I was this person, if someone is getting straight A's in every single class and on time for everything and getting every assignment done and amazing at presentations, I wonder what else is going on there. You know? I wonder what else is going on. Um, Are you getting enough sleep? Do you have friendships? Are you spending time with people and nature and life? I know, I hear a lot of no's. (laughs) So this is important. You can cut back on some things like getting the perfect grade in every class and enjoy life a little more. It's all a give and take. And I want to share this with you now because it's really no different in uh, the professional world, you know. And I'm finally nine years in at the place where I'm like, I don't need to go above and beyond for this client it's okay if I just sing, here comes the sun again, (laughs) you know, like I'm not learning as much music as I did as a student, Lucy in the sky, of Diamonds, I know, Um, so yeah, like where can you cut corners, what classes don't matter quite as much as your music therapy classes, Um, what relationships are most important, I feel like with this pandemic, we've kind of had a reality check, like Any one of our loved ones can die at any time. And you all have probably lost someone or know, you know, someone connected with your family who has died from this um, awful disease um, or virus. And I hope that that puts in perspective that there's more to life than grades, than handing in assignments on time or, you know, any of that stuff. Like, okay, I'll give you a little insight into my life because I'm finally at the place where I'm, like, not being an all-star student. Um, (laughs) I am working on a book with another music therapist, actually a group of music therapists, and um, the chapter that I'm writing was due February 2nd, and I knew this and I send a contract and everything, and February 2nd came and went, and it was not done, and I'm like, you know what, I'm just gonna wait for them to email me, because I literally don't have time to do this, so if they really need, and this is a little different than school, but if they really need it, they will let me know, um, And finally today, the person emailed me and was like, hey, I didn't see your your chapter. Did you send it? Maybe I lost it. And I'm like, you didn't see it because I didn't send it yet. Here it is. (laughs) So, um, you know, there are ways ways to enrich your life by taking some of the responsibility off. And again, that music therapy piece, like not feeling like you have to advocate all the time. um, Really... The biggest thing uh, that I can convey to you is self-awareness and knowing what you need, which is a really hard skill to learn. But my hope is that you all are able to pick that up along your journey. Anything else? Yeah. So I'm a music ed major. I'm a music therapy major. Mm -hmm. This might come out like an oddly question, but we'll try. So how do you get through your sessions if you're having, like, a bad mental health day? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I mean, you're probably all feeling that right now. Um, So, I mean, I think this this also goes back to self-awareness. There may be times where you have to call out, where you say, I'm not in the right headspace. I need a mental health day, like a sick day. Um, And you have to know for yourself what you can and can't do. Um, You know, there are times for myself where... Because I have anxiety and sometimes it gets really, really bad where um, I just feel like I can't be myself. Like I can't function normally. I can't connect with people. And so... um, Sometimes in those moments, I feel like I know that if I push myself and I get into the session, it's going to be okay, and I can conduct the session. Sometimes it's just that buffer time in between that I have to get through. Um, Other times, it's like debilitating and I can't get out of bed. Those are days where I take off. Um, So I think you have to know how much you can push yourself and what feels right, Um, but don't ever push yourself too far. And then depending on your sessions and how they usually go, you can kind of see how much energy, mental, physical, emotional energy you need. So for instance, um, when I'm working with kiddos, um, you know, I can do the fun songs and I can be energetic and like I don't need to emotionally like be as supported when I'm working with hospice, end of life folks, and their grieving uh, family members, I need to be all there. Like, it's almost like, where does my emotional and mental level need to be for what um, sessions I'm doing? Um, or like working with some folks who have mental illnesses themselves, um, they can very easily see through if there's something going on with me. So I need to make sure that I'm solid And I'm ready and I'm aware when I'm there. Or you can even tell your clients, hey, I'm not feeling that great today. Let's do some of these interventions instead of those, like, heavy emotional ones. So, um, yeah, you have permission to do what you need for yourself. And the same goes for school. So, like, my students and anyone else who's in clinic, if you need a mental health day, if you need to take off a week, do that. Because your body, your mind, your soul is the most important thing that you are doing, you know? It's the most important thing that you should be paying attention to. So you have my permission as a music therapy clinic supervisor to take a day off if you need a day off. (laughs)